nostalgia, memories, growing up in Central Florida in the 1990s. What a bunch of sappy crap. It's the Sappy Crap Podcast. Starring Steve Bauman and Jarman Day. Welcome to the Sappy Crap Podcast, where the names are changed, but the stories are real. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. That's right. The stories are real, or at least how our dusty brains have kept them all this time. At this point, they're just figments of our imagination. What is reality? Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> and we're here to tell stories that only two longtime best friends can. And what are we talking about this week, Steve? Well, we're talking about uh, being young, being idealistic, the expectations for our future, and the reality now that we're there. Yeah. Expectations versus reality, disappointments, changes in uh, what you expect out of life, and growing up. Absolutely. And there's, I'm sure you'll be able to identify with this listeners, just the things that we expected that we would be, what we'd be doing at this age and then what we're not doing at this point. Like, where's my flying car? That's been asked for generations. I mean, that's right. Apparently we've always been able to do a flying car. It's just very impractical because it would crash into everything. Yes. Because we can't trust people to drive. So, (laughs) well, yeah, like people train for years to be pilots. What makes you think that like I could do it? (laughs) Yeah. It would need to be fully automated for that to make any sense. Yes. <laughs> I think uh, we had a question I, about that, actually, didn't you? About what? We mentioned cars. Oh, yeah. But uh, before we get started, I hear we may have some feedback. Oh, my God. You're so right. So this is actually similar to feedback. That I think we might have read in a previous episode um, for the being a cat episode. But I noticed that our friend Sean Vanderloo from the Soul Forge Cosmic Pizza and Epsilon 3 podcast. He, hey. he had commented, I think, on the YouTube uh, but this is the one he has on Twitter was just a little different. Uh, listen to being a cad. And I have to say, I could totally relate. I laughed out loud several times. Reminds me of a few Soul Forge episodes I've recorded. We are definitely not alone in doing less than nice things. Yeah, we all regret stuff. And you listen to that episode, yep. folks. We we explain Men. all of our regrets out in the open. Men are terrible. We're generally pretty terrible, but uh, pretty bad. Yeah. Th- thanks for that, uh, Sean. Appreciate it. So let's talk about expectations versus reality. And uh, the opening question I have is, German, when you were like a kid, what was your dream car <laughs> and what do you drive now? <laughs> so uh, I, it's funny because when you asked me that via text today, I like to think about that question. It, first car that popped my mind that I remembered really wanting, which I think is hideous now. I would never want it, even if I had all the money it cost, was a Plymouth Prowler. Uh, I have to look this up now. You, you'll yeah. Once you see it, you'll remember it from back in like the early 2000s, maybe late 90s. It was very popular at the time for you know, probably middle-aged men having a midlife crisis. Oh, that's disgusting. Doesn't it look terrible? Like, I don't know why I wanted that. Um, but thankfully, I had some taste because I was really into the Sean Connery Bond films, and I really wanted a 1960s Aston Martin. And I'm like, looking back now, I'm like, that was that's cool. I can get behind that. <laughs> so, um, and so I was, I was definitely in the Aston Martins for a while. And what car do I have now? A very practical Mazda CX-5 SUV. And it's wonderful. I could not w- wish for anything better. I had my last car, Nissan Sentra, for about 12 years. And it lasted me wonderfully. And now I finally moved up to a, a CX-5. And it's a beautiful SUV. Hopefully, they'll be filled with a family later on down the line. That's um, right. And hopefully your family. And not, not just, not not just an a family you've abducted. <laughs> Absolutely. So what about you, Steve? What was your dream car as a kid? Oh, man. Uh, like the 70s Mustangs. Mm. 
just beautiful, beautiful cars and like the raised fronts and the big overblown tire wells. Got kind of like uh, a, the, the what's that show? The Hutch, Starsky and Hutch, those kind of cars. Is that what you mean? Yeah, those kind of cars, like classic muscle yeah. cars. Um, So that 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 was always my big one. What do I drive now? I drive a red Honda Fit. Nice. That basically has the like a lawnmower engine in it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, because there are barely hills where we are in California, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. And they're kind of loud too on the inside, aren't they? <laughs> uh, fits. And, and to, to speak to your point of like cars that are so ugly, but for whatever reason, I really like them. Uh, the PT Cruiser. Oh I really yeah, liked. And it, I mean, it looks like an Oldsmobile had sex with a shoe. <laughs> And a station wagon was watching <laughs> yeah, like with a paper bag over its head. <laughs> oh my no God. one knows station wagon is here. <laughs> um, so yeah. The PT cruiser. It was so popular though. Sin. When we were growing up, you know, that thing was oh, yeah. a bang. Yeah. Oh yeah. So now the classic question to ask, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Oh man. So, my mom will tell the story that when I was very, very little, before I can remember saying this, that I always said I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. Um, that was my dream job. Um, but it turns out I'm not hilarious and I'm not the best writer in the world. So that wasn't really going to work out for me. <laughs> I'm mediocre at both of those things. Um, whereas then after that, I wanted to be an actor. That was a big thing in the movies. And so even before like I did theater with you, that's what my thing was. I was being an actor. And I never actually took any steps towards that goal. <laughs> And then once I became college age, I was like, um, oh, I got to be practical. I got to, you know, focus on my career and get something I can actually do. So I went to college originally for broadcast journalism and I hated it. So I still did theater all throughout then. uh, Thanks to Stephen a little bit, too. And but then I became a film major and I was like, well, I can work on film and I know where places I can go in Atlanta to get real jobs in film and not just go to L.A. on a pipe dream. But then I ended up becoming a a voice actor. So I actually kind of did fulfill one of my childhood dreams so i'm kind of an actor but i'll never be a stand comedian though because that just sounds terrifying and i'm not good at it <laughs> that's fair <laughs> so that's what about fair. you uh when i was little little i always said i wanted to be a veterinarian and it was mostly because I, li- I like i liked my cats oh yeah like, there was no bet like you don't need a better reason than that at that age yeah you don't <laughs> um but then i realized they're basically doctors and it takes like seven or eight years become a vet ah, nah, i'm all right a lot uh, of people go to college for seven years they're called doctors yeah they're called doctors <laughs> um uh and then of course I, I for a while i wanted to be an actor and a performer uh and that got beaten out of me pretty quick mostly because there's just no money in theater right there just isn't uh it's like very hard to get benefits and those sort of things and the things that make for a stable functional life right and you met your wife in the theater program that you were both in. Yeah. <laughs> um, and while I don't want to toot my own horn, I was very talented. Mm-hmm. I feel I was very talented. Um, I feel like college didn't, in some ways, didn't prepare me. For life life, I guess. Well, not even for life life, but to, to go out and try to be in the professional theater because, uh, you know, like when I was in high school, I got pigeonholed as the old guy mm-hmm. a lot. When you're, uh, I think we said this last episode before, when you're six, two or six, three, have a gruff voice and big stage presence, you're going to be the old guy, <laughs> a good amount. You're going to play the boss, the, the, the grandfather or the dad or something like that. The judge, the, the judge. lawyer, like <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and so I, I got a ton of role that, that continued into college to the point where by the time I left, most of my acting experience was in doing these older roles. And I went into suddenly into these auditioning pools with actual older guys. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know the type of roles I should have been auditioning for. I didn't know how to audition for those roles. People your age, uh, roles that People were your age. age. Yeah. But not only that, I'm I'm also, you know, in the tough spot that I will I would I was never going to be the ingenue. Mm-hmm. Just wasn't going to happen, and and I was never I, I was not old enough to be the old guy, so I was playing for like the sidekick character, right? And I didn't know how to do that or really. character actor parts, you know. But typically, a lot of those are also for older men and you were not an older man. <laughs> right. But I remember I went to TPS, I think it was TPS auditions in Seattle, which is like, yeah, theater Puget sound, which is this big consortium of like 80 or 90 theaters who do like a three day audition event and cast half their shows for the year. Basically. Yeah. We have that here. It's called the sec. I think it's like Southeastern theater um, auditions or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I got callbacks for like four shows and I went and I did all four callbacks and one of them was far, far enough away. And I didn't have a car that it was going to be like two and a half hours by bus Whew. each way for rehearsal. And I was like, I just can't. Yeah, I can't do that. Uh, and then the other roles, they had me auditioning for old guys. Huh? But I was auditioning against actual old guys who are probably going to get the role because they're actually right. Old. I wasn't going to get the the role over a guy who was actually fifty five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just wasn't going to happen. By the way, guys, we know fifty five isn't old, but back then it was. When we we're 19, right, when I was 20, 20, 22 yes. years old, that is old. <laughs> um, and so in a lot, so that that was really discouraging. And I, the only roles I got were in uh, like a local traveling theater company, mm-hmm. where I did a couple holiday shows for them. So, you know, you had the talent. It's just a matter of they didn't give you the practical skills of facing you particularly as an actor. What were you going to do like and to make money and to actually work in this profession? And, right. Yeah. And so I just felt unequipped. And then once again, just the also just the, the sheer realization of like there's no money. Yeah. Unless you just there's like just, there's just none. There's none money. And I know several professional actors who uh, work in live theater or performance and it takes several years to get there to where you're working that just full time. And oftentimes you're working multiple jobs. So you're working at the dinner theater. You're working at the, a local theme park or um, a museum where you play a character while you're also doing occasional theater shows that pay you not as much. But that's what you really want to be doing. And some of them are even in equity, the 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 theater union. And yeah. so they're getting good rates. But that took probably 15 years for them to get there. And they always had side jobs before that. And now, even though they are in equity, they're still working three or four different productions at one time just to make ends meet. Um, And so it's yeah, it's not a thing for people who are not incredibly passionate about it and are okay with making peanuts for 15 years and being a a bartender for that amount of time and sticking to it. And you can eventually in any kind of major theater area make a profession out of it. But you'd have to be working constantly. And, right. not, and that that became my question is like, how am I going to have a family and retire? Maybe. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> you just wouldn't. <laughs> how? Yeah. Unless like, unless your wife had a, a, a very well-paying job, which a couple of these actor friends I know, their spouse does have a very well-paying job. Either the, the wife has a really well-paying job and they have like the theater job or vice versa, but you can't 
go in a relationship with just that income because you'd be a gypsy family living off other people's couches and stuff. Uh, right. Anyways, I didn't mean to go on a, a riff on that, but it's just upsetting. <laughs> no. Besides, so, yeah, it's at one point I wanted to be an actor, but the realities of being an actor were just like, eh, is that the life I really want? Yeah. And that's important because you're you don't need to be defined by your job. You know, you should have your life outside. You should live work, work to live or live to work. What is it? I don't know where the term goes, but your job should you define you. You got to make your vocation a vacation. It's right. <laughs> and worse is expectations where you are now, Steve. Can you describe for the audience kind of what you do? I mean, I work for a big company. We live in a nice apartment or nicer than our last apartment apartment. I <laughs> should put it. Uh, I've got health care and a wife and two children and some cats. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it probably uh, a good choice in the long run. Yeah, in the long run, it was definitely a good choice. But it's upsetting because you did have talent and in, it was recognized and it could have gone somewhere. But man, would it have been worth it? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> right. It's rough. And the same thing with me. Like I'm I chose one of the more practical acting professions I could have chosen that I saw was working for me and people told me I did well and it's taken me seven years to now get to the point where I'm actually making a really a decent income off of this and I'm never going to be rich in this job being a voice actor but I found a niche and worked my ass off on it and recognized like I could make enough to where I could have a family and stuff I will never be rich but if I was a theater actor or a film actor screw it I wouldn't be able to raise a family on that no forget it so anyways you got to be practical so I, something you mentioned actually was kids and a family. What did you think about that when you were growing up as a little kid? Did would you have a timetable for yourself like planned out? Did you think about that kind of thing? Uh, no, not specifically. Mm. Um, you know, there was, you know, I think about my brother who for a very long time maintained that he was never going to be married, never have any kids. Right. And so, so part of me was like, maybe I'd be okay with that, but that's because I very much looked up to my brother and modeled a lot of myself after him. But mind you, he now is married and has a kid. Right. Uh, <laughs> after you did, though. <laughs> yeah, after uh, uh, oh. Lucy came before. Okay. Just right and before. he got married after. We oh. were already married by the time he got married. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a I was the old forth. married guy at his wedding. <laughs> um, so... I think I always wanted two kids like I, and I maintain this. I've always wanted two kids because that's what I grew up with. And a lot of people say that it's like, whatever you want is a lot of times what you grew up with. Yeah. So when I met Anna, she wanted four because that's what she grew up with. And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to get it cut off after the second one. So good luck with that. <laughs> oh, <geez>. uh, <laughs> um, but no, we kind of came to this happy medium where it was like two. And if we could afford it and earn the right spot for it, we could possibly go for a third. So you haven't gotten the vasectomy. No, <laughs> okay. it's still, it's all the junk is still attached down there. Gotcha. <laughs> um, but at this point there's no plan for the third. Right. You know, um, but yeah, you know, I think I, I wanted to maybe start having kids a little younger than we did. But at the same time, it came down to like when it was right for us. Yeah. And when we were in a spot to support it, that's what makes sense. And you guys, I think really hit the sweet spot of age and, and funds and where you were at in your life. And it just timed out pretty darn well. Um, whereas I have wanted kids as long as I can possibly remember. Um, I've always wanted to be married and have kids, uh, probably too, like you said, but also because I grew up mainly with my sister and I, 
So it was right. two of us, and I thought I was always going to have a buddy, at least, you know. <laughs> it's like have two cats, so your cat has a friend. Um, and so I'd never imagined a million years out of our group of friends that I'd be the last guy to be married with kids. I always imagined I'd be the first. By 24, I'd have a wife and a kid already um, living in a house in the suburbs. Um, but that didn't happen. But I'm, no. I'm getting there slowly but surely, hopefully. But uh, no kids, yep. not married. Work uh, on that. Work on that married part first. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's important. <laughs> Think about it. Not essential, but it's important. And, and, and speaking of that, I mentioned living in a house in the suburbs. Where did, did you ever imagine where you'd want to live when you were growing up? Like what kind of place you imagine your adult self in? Or like what kind I of mean, city even like where you thought you might be? I was never like a big city kid. Mm. Now, mind you, I really did. I enjoyed our time in New York very much. Um. And, you know, it's a part of Anna and I's relationship and background and who we are now. But at the same time, I fully admit New York takes like a big city takes a lot of energy. Of course. It takes a lot of energy to go do anything. Um, so I've always been very much more like a suburbs kid. Yeah. And I, I, I love the energy of a city. But at the same time, it's like you don't get to leave if you live there, like in the middle of it. Um and also now it's just the expense like it's hard to live in any city in the united states right now because it's just so incredibly expensive oh um, yeah hence it's why insane. you know you make really good money and you're living in an apartment where you should be that money if you're making that back in you know even the 80s you'd be living in like a three-bedroom house in that same area you know it doesn't make any sense oh uh, we would have paid it off like two years ago oh yeah, oh, yeah it'd, be, it'd be done it'd be done um so i'm trying but to like convince the, that like the fact is I could move to Pittsburgh and buy a house tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Like tomorrow I could buy a house, but here it's like a pipe dream. Oh yeah. You'd be a millionaire that, to make enough of that kind of thing. Um, and that's, I think when I was a kid, I always imagined myself living in a luxury condo or a loft apartment in some, in downtown New York, something like that. For some reason, that was my big thing I wanted to do. Um, and now I'm just like, Oh, give me a giant amount of space anywhere. As, as long as I can be like half an hour from a big city, I'll be happy. But give me a. I'll take a yard and two bedrooms. I mean, I don't even care about the yard. I just want a big amount of space. I love storage. I love keeping things. I love hoarding things if I can. So I just want lots of space. <laughs> Living in a tiny apartment in the city just sounds like miserable to me. If that's my second place, sure. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, that was my expectation versus the reality of, of homes. That didn't really work out the way I wanted to. All right. what What's a pet you always wanted as a kid? Well, when I was real little, I always wanted a chimp. <laughs> <laughs> but that is neither practical or safe or legal. I don't think so. <laughs> that dude, wasn't going to happen. Did chimps? <laughs> at like two years old just go insane they just kill things if, if you see a human being handling and cuddling with a chimp it is two years old or younger mm, i see because there's a point where they literally go nuts and probably don't want to be touched they 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 just they go insane it's the only way to put it they go crazy <laughs> they become unhandleable i didn't know that oh yeah Oh my gosh. Once again, that's the reason whenever you see somebody handling a chimp, it is, it is a baby chimp. It is like a little chimp. You never see people like hugging full size chimps because they will murder you. <laughs> Rip your face off. Like that one lady famously happened to her. She had a, because unlike a gorilla and orangutans, which are territorial and strong, 
but they're also vegetarian. Chimpanzees hunt other primates. Oh, God. <laughs> they're ferocious. They are ferocious hunter hunting animals that hunt in packs. That's with terrifying. Coordinated attacks. They are as scary as velociraptors, people. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, uh, there's some really crazy videos on YouTube of uh, chimps working in teams to hunt monkeys. Wow. That's just not good. <laughs> well, I also just I wanted uh, I wanted more dogs than I thought I would want because now I'm older. I don't really want dogs because uh, they just get they destroy things. They eat everything. They slobber on things. Um, but my girlfriend is dead set on getting one someday. And I'm warming up to the idea as long as it's done correctly and we find the right kind of dog that's, you know, friendly and not a slobber monster. Um, that would be great because I'm very OCD and clean. So. That sounds miserable. What about you? What pets did you uh, fantasize about? Uh, so the ones that I always wanted, always, was a English bulldog. Oh, yeah. Like a cute little barrel-chested, wrinkle-faced mutt. <laughs> always wanted one and still kind of want one. But as an adult, I recognize they have been bred to the point where they are, they are unhealthy like freaks. I won't even say of nature because nature didn't do this to them. Right. That wasn't their fault. Mandated to it. <laughs> Terrible, like uh, eye issues, breathing problems, breathing problems. Uh, there are huge issues of spina bifida. Oh gosh. If you ever look at there, I tried, I looked at one point like bulldog rescue or bully rescue or something like that. Like of, of the dogs on there, if you look like, 80% of them have a little heart next to them because they require some sort of special care. No, it's just not worth it, folks. Let them right, breed, right. breed out of that business. Um, so while I would love a, a good bulldog, I admit that they are, they are just in really bad shape as a breed, like a really bad shape as a breed. I have to mention, I just saw this. I was at a little cafe yesterday with my girlfriend and we walked by and there's this giant dog. I've never seen a dog this tall before. And I thought I knew a lot about the big dog breeds. I'm always fascinated by them. So we looked it up and it's an Irish wolfhound, um, which I'd seen the pictures of before, but didn't realize they're the tallest uh, known species of dog. Um, there's ones that are bigger, like the one that's the Scooby dog, the, the Great Dane, that kind of thing. Because this one's thinner, but it's the tallest one. It's got shaggy gray hair. And apparently they were bred originally to hunt wolves <laughs> so they're so big nice. and dangerous that they can kill wolves um and it was but it was the friendliest looking thing in the world it looked like so happy and content it was just laying out on the sidewalk but it's just gigantic and the, the idea the fact that it is fears nothing because it's the biggest apex dog predator there is <laughs> so we will get that dog someday <laughs> that'd be great and one thing i wanted to mention uh was because this came to mind about expectations versus reality, is video games. Where did you think video games would be by the time we were in our 30s when we were kids? I, I mean, when we were kids, everything everything pointed towards like uh, virtual reality. That's, what, that's, say, what, yeah. that's what movies and television showed us. The very infancy of VR started showing up in arcades and that kind of stuff. Um, but the fact is, is that while you do have things like what PlayStation VR and Xbox VR and in-home VR Oculus setups, Rift, kind of, yeah. Oculus Rift, those sort of things. It has still not become accessible enough to be considered a reality. Yeah. For just, most it's gamers, not 
caught on in a popularized way, even though the technology itself has been around for a long time. Um, I mean, it was terrible in that form, but Virtue Boy, when we were kids, was the uh, <laughs> Nintendo Virtue Boy, which is all red and give you a headache within 20 minutes. But yeah, it just hasn't caught on. It hasn't stuck. And it's too expensive um, still to make it you know, for the average Joe, like you said. But yeah, so I think I think VR was where we all thought it was going, but I did but imagine no, the graphics would be better by now. Like the graphics are really good now, but the, by the time I was in my thirties, I imagined graphics would be you could not tell the difference between reality and the graphics were that good. Like it was just it would be just like reality, and it's not n- n- nearly there yet. But it's beautiful what it is these days. But I think yeah, I mean that's all based on computing power. Yeah, and like you know, computer power is exponential. But it has not grown sort of at the rate expected that we originally like it's, thought. It's still exponential. It's still crazy. The fact that, you know, when we like my first computer that we had, our gateway out of the box had a hundred megahertz of RAM. <laughs> One hundred megahertz. <laughs> and and right now the computer in front of me, which is itself four and a half years old, let me see. So not even a new machine has 16 gigs of RAM. Yeah. <laughs> a four year, four, four and a half year old machine has 16 gigs of RAM. It's just astounding. That's 16,000 times almost <laughs> more powerful than your original right. gateway. It's just insane. <laughs> so we can't um, complain, so, really. And now, you know, you've got laptops with 32 or 64 gigs of RAM in them. It's yep. absolutely crazy. Um, But no, I think that that it's a limit of processing power. And then I think also it's a limit of time because the issue is, is that think about how long like a triple a game takes to, to develop right now. It's like years. Yeah, that's true. Two to four years. Now you take that and suddenly you want them to make an immersive 3d world. Yeah. We're talking probably five to seven years or something insane for like a fully developed immersive 3d world full game. So you're basically working off technology from seven years ago when the game releases. Right. And you are lashed to that technology. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the reason that if you look at um, games that came out for the PlayStation 4 when it first came out versus games that came out at the end, it's insane. The difference, because they were just figuring out what they could do with the tech. Uh, yeah. They were just figuring out how they could push the system. So if you look at the first games that came out for PS4 versus the ones that are still coming out, it's night and day. It looks like they're they're like a decade apart from each other. It's crazy. Well, now we have PS5, so not even a thing anymore. I'm That's always right. behind which, a generation of which machines. I only play PS4 games on, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> hey, at least it's backwards compatible. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, I think. Uh, our expectation versus reality, if I had a judge, uh, we had some silly expectations that didn't need to come true. And I think the things that should have came true are better off anyways That uh, versus our expectations. I think we're right where we need to be, I think, luckily. Yeah. We're two fortunate white dudes. So, yeah, I mean, what <laughs> do we complain. have to complain about? Not much. <laughs> exactly. But boy, do we. <laughs> but boy, howdy. I got a whole podcast about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that uh, that wraps up our episode of the Sappy Crap Podcast. That's right. Join us next time when we talk about something so impactful 
that we don't even know what it is yet. That's right. And thanks for joining us on this delightful stumble down memory lane. And don't forget, the good old days weren't always that good. This podcast was brought to you by A Play on Nerds. 